We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky, and I have with me Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark, coming to you from uh, Ascension Lutheran Church uh, here in South St. Louis, where I serve as pastor. And uh, this is my last time to be recording from Northfield, Minnesota. Matt, next time we record, I'll be down uh, in your neck of the woods. Uh, This is Wrestling with the Basics, Uh, and I did want to talk about something before we we begin here. Uh, Matt, you know, I like to think of myself as kind of a free thinker. Uh, when it comes to uh, vegetables, uh, I, I, well, seriously, let's face it, the, the, the vegetocracy is constantly bombarding us with propaganda about how we should eat, eat our vegetables. And, and uh, I mean, it's come to the point where I went to a restaurant the other day and both of their soup, soup options had kale in them, Matt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, Everywhere you turn, you can't escape and, and, it. And, and like I said, I, I like to think of myself as a free thinker. I, I mean, if you want to eat vegetables, that's fine with me, but I just don't want to line the pockets of the vegetable barons. That, that's my thought, Matt. <laughs> I know, big kale. <laughs> I know. Yes, I, and I people only chat. knew. Uh, um, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I like to think as an independent mind, I'm willing to hear both sides of an issue. Okay, I don't want to be prejudiced. Sure. And, and I did okay. learn. Okay. I Fair did enough. learn something about uh, vegans that that have made me think. Did you know? Did you know? And and by the way, this is the absolute truth because we don't say anything on wrestling with the basics unless it's the absolute truth. Right. Ma- Especially about the ve- the vegetocracy, <laughs> as John right. mentioned earlier, <laughs> the unvarnished truth. Um, and apparently, Oreos are vegan. Did you know that? Did you know that Oreo? That's, what? That's is I have a right? good friend who's a vegetarian, and they assure me that Oreos are, are vegan. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, I, maybe I should try it out, you know. <laughs> it might not be all I, bad. A couple of Oreos, half dozen Oreos before I go to bed at night. Now, I don't want to go full-blown into it because it's a slippery slope. You, you remember how they used to really say you should eat spinach, and then, of course, now it's kale, and now it's even watercress, okay? But... I know. But I, I know. Do, do you think there'd be any harm if I just tried an Oreo once in a while? Oh well, see, here's my sure. question, John: Can you still drink milk with that Oreo uh, if you're a full vegan? I don't know. That's a good because, question. You know, I, I'm, you know, I, you know, the, I gotta have milk with my Oreos. <laughs> it is is milk's favorite cookie. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I don't know about that. I'll have to consult with my vegetarian expert and find out. I kind of think that you can't. <laughs> I think it has to do whether you're a, a vegan or a vegetarian, but that gets too confusing to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, before you sign on the vegan dotted line, John, but find out about the milk about the first. Milk. So, uh, well, I'm actually lactose intolerant, Matt, so that doesn't affect me. Well, it does affect me. That's the problem. <laughs> but, all right. Well, anyway, so those of you who they want to just try, you know, this whole vegetarianism, that's a place to start. Uh, just start eating some Oreos. And, yes, I guess, you can have milk, Matt, <laughs> if you're not fully committed to the thing. Go ahead and have some milk, too. Um, I want to talk about something 
that that is crucial uh, to us as Lutherans, and and we we've come out of the closet. We 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 acknowledge that we are Lutheran pastors. We are Lutherans. Yeah. That's right. Um, and one of our fundamental teachings is that we cannot choose Jesus. Right? Jesus has to choose yes. us. Uh, yeah, third article of the, the Apostles' Creed, the meaning of it, right? The work of yeah, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I cannot believe my, my own reason or strength, uh, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and lightened me with his gifts in the true faith, sanctified, sanctified and kept me. Uh, and, and, of course, this is why we get a little uncomfortable with our Baptist friends when they talk about turning your life over to Jesus or giving your heart to the Lord or, or, or things like that, because we just don't believe that that's possible for people that are born and conceived in sin and iniquity. Although here's the thing that confuses people, Matt, because at the same time we, we teach that you cannot choose Jesus. Well, that's what he says, right? You did not choose me. I chose you. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. yet we believe that we can reject Jesus, right? Have I got that right? Yes, yeah, that we have the ability, that God's given us the ability, yes, to re- reject his word, to reject Jesus. And it doesn't make logical sense. How can you say you can reject it, but at the yep. same time you say you can't choose it? But I realized that there's a whole host of examples in the Bible of situations where you don't get to choose, but you can refuse. Did you like that, Matt? You yes. can't choose, you can't refuse. <laughs> Times. Yeah, that should be that should be the title of, of this episode, John. That's great. <laughs> All right. I will put that down when I send that to Sarah. That's the right title. <laughs> She'll be very impressed. So so and, and it shows how slow I am on, on the uptake, because we actually had an example of this a few weeks ago and I didn't even realize it. Remember we had the story about the, the people that were sent out to work in the vineyard, right? For, from yeah. from morning yeah. to sure. nine to noon to three o'clock, and then even a couple yeah. people yes. at five. Well, isn't that an example of where you you don't get to choose, but you can refuse, right? Yeah, you bet. Yeah, yeah. The the, the owner of the vineyard comes and chooses those people and and gives them that denarius a day, but uh, they can choose to grumble about it. Uh, well, yeah, that's a perfect example, isn't it? Uh, and, and of course, particularly when you think about those people that got called at five o'clock. And, and the master asks, well, how come you've been idle all day? And we're thinking, well, because they're a bunch of lazy bums. But the truth is, according to the scripture, is they didn't get hired. So if you don't get chosen, you're, you're just out of luck. Although I, I like that thought, too. Although you, you can grumble. <laughs> you can be yep. negative. Yep. You can't be positive. You can't be negative. Um, my uh, grandson, Eric, by the way, is wrestling with this right now because he's graduated from high school. And then he wants to start working full time. And, of course, he, he's got these jobs he'd love to get, but I don't know. You know, I don't think he has the, the experience or the background. And, and when you're just out of high school, you're just glad if somebody will hire you, you know. Uh, again, he, he can refuse these job offers, and I'm afraid his parents think that's what he'll do. They're a little bit concerned about that. <laughs> um, so, so example number two. And, again, we just talked about this stuff, and I don't know why I didn't see this. Remember we had the story about the father and his, his two sons, right? Uh, yes. Do you want to review that story real quick, Matt, if you don't mind? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. The father and the two sons and, you know, asking them to, to go and work in the vineyard. And the one uh, refuses but then does go. And the other one um, says, yeah, I'll go, but, but then doesn't. And, and, you know, we made a big point because, see, people don't really – you only got two choices. And, and choice number one is that, that you acknowledge that you don't really want to do what the Father wants you to do, but then there's a, a change of heart, a remorse, and then you do do what the Father's asked. Or you, you are the guy who says, oh, yeah, I'll do what the Father wants, but of course you, you never really do. 
Uh, there is no other option except for those two because we're all sinners. See, we all fall short of the glory of God. Although I don't know if it was, was it you or was it my wife, Matt, that pointed out there's actually could be a third son. Was that you or was that Lynn? Uh, I think we talked about okay. the third son. And John. the third son would be who? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Jesus himself, yeah. right? He is the one who, that, 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 the only one, right? The only son that actually says what he's going to do and follows through okay. and does it. All so there is, there is that third son. But like you say, I, I thank you, Matt. It's the only Jesus who does that. However, here, here, back to my point, sonship, being a child, again, that, that's something that you don't get to choose, right? Um, yep, exactly. Uh, we talked about Eric, uh, Lauren. Uh, they're both adopted. Lauren, his sister, uh, they're both adopted. Uh, and and uh, by the way, that requires a great deal of choice, uh, a great deal of commitment. Uh, they don't just give you adopted kids. <laughs> you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. imagine that the hoops that my uh, daughter Naomi had to jump through and her husband Jared had to do in order to adopt this little uh, Polish boy and this little Korean girl. But again, the kids had no choice in that, right? No one came up and said to them, how would you like to go over to America? No, no, that was entirely uh, a choice by, by, by someone else. Although I suppose when they get older, uh, they, could, they could renounce their adoption. They could go back to their old names if they wanted to. Uh, so there's yet another example. Now, finally, what I really want to talk about today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because you're starting to sound like me, John, all this build up to, to what you really want to talk about. Well, it's the story that, that I got to preach on. Did you have the story of the wedding feast a, a week or so ago, Matt? Uh, yes, we sure and, did. And I think this story is also an illustration of where we cannot choose, but we can refuse. Do you have your Bible open there to Matthew 22? I, I sure do. And yeah. I'm, I'm just going to sure, make please. one comment, John. The um, you know, for for those who you know who are are listening, who you know may not be Lutheran or Baptist yeah. or otherwise, and you know have this idea that yeah, I need to make a decision for Jesus or commit my life to Jesus or you know accept Jesus. I that you know those folks, I, th I think it's important to recognize are are not any less a Christian no, than no. us, right? I mean, yeah, you know Jesus. You know, as Luthers, we would say, you know, you've been. It, it's all God's grace. It's all God's doing. It's been the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, wh whether whether you know it or not, whether we realize it or not, right? Um, even if we think you know we have to you know make a commitment of ourselves, um, still it's okay, fine. You you, you might have vocalized a commitment, okay, but you know as Gluthans we would just say, well, we encourage you to recognize that you know you you made that you made that vocalized commitment because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because of His work through the gospel. Uh, yeah, no, no one can say Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Spirit. So, you know, I it's it's not that other Christians, you know, are, are out of luck, but no, it's it's just that maybe they don't fully realize that God's grace doesn't just mean we're not saved by works, which it does uh, mean that, but God's grace also means that we're saved, you know, purely by what God does for us and even the faith that he gives and works in us uh, through the word of the gospel. Yeah, and, and Matt, I, I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, People may like vegetables, and yet they can still be Christian. We're, we're not denying that. Um, <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. Some people just don't understand. You know, yeah, we, we understand. Yes, John, that. you're um, right. And 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 I'm glad you brought that up because I think sometimes we we come across as if we're saying, "Oh well, yeah." Like, well, as you just illustrated, you, you you can't be a Christian if that's how you think. 
Uh, but but see, yeah, we really do think people do need to decide for Jesus. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a story. Can I tell you a story real quick? Sure, so John. actually, about we love we love, we love stories from John. <laughs> go, go ahead. Uh, uh, about 20, 22 years ago, uh, last month, I I made a journey up to uh, Bridgman, Michigan, uh, to meet a lady up there by the name of Lynn Lynn Shakel, and and I told her. I told her I was coming up on a Friday, uh, but I surprised her by coming up a day early on a Thursday. And I went, I went to her school where she was principal, and she, her reaction was, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, isn't that what you want your beloved to say to you? What, what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> so, well, I surprised her, and that was the idea, because with her daughter Stephanie, we'd We'd made arrangements, uh, reservations at a really fancy restaurant there, Tabor, Tabor Hill. If you know that area, it's a winery. They've got a wonderful restaurant. Because that night I was going to propose to her, okay? Oh, boy. And it's another example, at least in our culture, where you don't get to choose. You can only refuse, right? The idea is that the man is supposed to, to make the choice. He's supposed to make the offer. And the wife, of course, can say no. And obviously, if if she had said no to me that night, I would have been crushed. All right, so thank you for reminding us. No, the Lord Jesus certainly wants us to say yes to him, okay? It's just we need to remember that that yes cannot come by our own reason or strength. Uh, yes, you know, exactly. That has to come from the work of the Spirit. And that's a good thing because sometimes we don't always feel like saying yes. And we may begin to worry and, and be frightened that our faith is gone. But we need to remember, no, that's just our flesh. We're all sinners, and that's what happens sometimes that we have our doubts. But the Holy Spirit is still working through wrestling with the basics, which right there, if you don't think the Holy Spirit is powerful, consider that. That <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, is <laughs> proof positive yeah. that the Holy Spirit can work through just about yeah, any as means. As long as you got yeah. the Word of God. Any, right. yeah. yeah, as long as the Word is present. Exactly. So, so anyway, so here's two more examples of where you don't get to choose, but you can refuse. If you could read the, the punchline to the, the wedding feast parable, it's verse 14 of Matthew 22. Okay, we're, we're skipping yeah. to the end here. Okay, verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. And, and the word there in the Greek for chosen is actually the word elect from which we get election and elected and all those other words. And you see, there's another example. We got a bunch of Republicans like now who would love to be the president of the United States. One in particular hmm. really wants mm -hmm. to be the president of the United States. But that is not their choice, is it, Matt? Um, in, in fact, you know? they don't even get to choose who's going to represent their party. That will be the party, the Republican Party, that will determine who the candidate will be. And then the, the citizens of the United States will, will determine who, who gets to uh, uh, be uh, the president. See, uh, that's how it is with elections. You may want something, but you don't get to choose that. Someone else has to choose you. Although I suppose if you got elected, you could say, ah, I changed my mind. I, I, don't, I don't want to serve. And now one final example, Matt. Let's go back and actually look at the parable here because this is just a really scary parable, actually. <laughs> So if you wouldn't mind reading, and let's just read the whole parable at least down to, uh, well, we'll just start reading. I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt you. 
Okay. Yeah, some of the things in this parable are shocking, as, as Jesus tells this story, and I think it would have shocked the uh, original oh, hearers yeah. of the parable yeah. for sure. Okay, so here we go. Uh, again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I've prepared my dinner. My ox and my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm and another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Let's just stop there if we could, Matt. Uh, so obviously another example of where you, you don't get to choose, but you can refuse to be invited to a wedding feast, right? Um, yes. You know what, Matt? I have been a faithful citizen of this country for 70 years. 70 years, Matt. I have always paid my taxes, and, and yet no president has ever invited me to a banquet at the White House. Okay. They're missing out, John. You have been the life. If you're of the listening, party. President Biden, you know, <laughs> hey, hey, come on. I got time. Um, but so there it is. I, I mean, I may want to go to a fancy banquet, but if I don't get invited, well, then there, I don't have any choice in that. Although, as we see very dramatically in this, this parable, you can refuse. You can refuse. Matt, explain this parable. To, to, to us, to me. What, what is this all about? What's this talking about here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you bet. So, yeah, what's Jesus getting at here? Um, so, so you have this, this king who has a son, right? Yeah. So I think that as we look at that, we can say, well, yeah, this is... Jesus is talking about himself here, this, this son that he's speaking of. And I think, too, it's a wedding feast, and that's pretty consistent with Jesus' parables about a, a groom, and and consistently Jesus is the groom. So here's the son. Uh, so Jesus talking about himself, not just about um, you know an earthly wedding feast, uh, but yeah, this king invites them, and then uh, people say no. Um, he sends more people to invite them. They continue to say no, um, which I think is is shocking. Why would they do that? And what is even more shocking is not only do they say no. But they seized the servants who extended the invitation, treated them shamefully, and killed them. You know, I think that's that's one of the shocking aspects of this parable. Well, who in the world would do that, right? Um, if I don't, if I refuse to go to a, a wedding reception, that's one thing. <laughs> but I don't kill the people that <laughs> deliver the invitation. Gee, um, so that that's extreme. It's shocking, and I think that um, it would have shocked those who first heard it. Uh, but there's a deeper meaning of this, right, John? Um, you know, Jesus talking about the Jews in particular, um, who have, the Lord has sent to them prophets, um, people to announce, uh, including John the Baptist, that, yep, the groom is on his way, he's coming, get ready, uh, the celebration's here, Jesus has arrived, and yet still stubbornly disbelieve, refuse the invitation, and as we think about uh, the prophets that preceded Jesus, some of them, yeah, even even killed <laughs> for the message they shared about that coming Savior that Jesus uh, is the fulfillment of. And, and the church has actually even uh, traditionally interpreted this business about destroying the murderers and burning their city as being fulfilled in 70 AD uh, when the Romans literally did come in and, yeah. and burn the city and did, uh, uh, Josephus says there were so many people crucified, you couldn't see the horizon for the crosses. 
Um, and I, I do think a couple of things, Matt, too, that, that it, not everyone uh, of the Jews necessarily had such an angry response uh, to, to the king and his son. Uh, mm-hmm. Some just, they were too busy. They were more concerned with worldly things, right? If Jesus had come and, and was a, a bread king, or if he'd come and been the earthly king, oh, they would have welcomed him and shouted Hosanna, but uh, he wasn't interested in this earthly kingdom. Uh, and then again, as you point out, there are people who just hated him and, and hated God and, and did destroy them. And, and so here we need to read the rest of the parable because what's neat about this parable is it's the one parable that we've had where we, we really come into the story. Uh, most of the other parables we've had are actually uh, about uh, the Jews. Uh, now, we can learn from them, that's true, but they really were addressing the Jews and their rejection of Jesus. But this second half of the parable is actually talking to all of our listeners right now. So, Matt, if you could pick it up at verse uh, 8 and to the end. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah here's good news yeah. for us, right, John? Verse 8. Uh, then he said, the king said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out to the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. And go ahead and read it to the end. Okay. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then it ends again with that, that verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. So what do you make of this, this going out into the roads and gathering all who they found, both bad and good? Who, who is that then, Matt? Yeah, so I, I, it's still, I, I think of, you know, uh, Paul's words and, you know, Romans, you know, um, you know the, the, Jesus Christ, the, the power of God for salvation, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You know, this idea that, you know, these, so these are the, the Gentiles. These are... Um, those who are not part of, of the Jewish people. These are um, perhaps even people, maybe they were Jews, but maybe they were kind of the outcasts, you know, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. Um, and those in, the invitations extended even to them. Uh, and you, as you pointed out, John, I think even by extension to us <laughs> today too, um, those who are, you know, not a part of the people of Israel, but yet um, God still has love and compassion for the whole world. And, and you know, this is part of his plan from the beginning, right? Uh, but yeah, Jesus just emphasizes here the, the universal nature of those who are invited to the wedding feast. And, of course, we think of the end of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, where Jesus commands yeah. his disciples to make disciples of all, all ethnos, all nations. And that's usually the word that is used for people that aren't Jewish. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you're right. That, that's where this parable touches us because we are the people who have been given the invitation. We didn't choose it. We didn't even think we were going to get it. Again, President Biden, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, which I'm sure he is, sure. but, but, but they were, they were invited. They, and, and they, they come here to the wedding feast, but then comes the real kicker, the thing that we really need to think about and pay attention to. Cause again, it's talking to you and me and to all of our listeners. There is this guy who doesn't have a wedding garment. And the consequence is, is that he's bound hand and foot and cast out into outer darkness. Uh, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
and it always seemed extreme to me until I thought about the many weddings that I had officiated at, and it dawned on me that if I looked out over the congregation and saw a guy out there who was naked, I probably would call the police and do these exact same things, have him bound hand and foot. And I don't care where they put him, just put him somewhere so he doesn't show up at the reception. <laughs> uh, Although that's probably overstating the case. I mean, it doesn't say that he's naked here, that he's in his underwear. But what is his problem, Matt? What is his problem? So he he has no wedding yeah. garment. How did he get in yeah. here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you want to unpack that a little bit, John? Because that, that always struck me as well. That seems a little extreme, well, well. right? This guy didn't wear a... A tie to the, <laughs> you right. know, to the, the black tie affair is that reason to get kicked out? You know, and, I, I need um, to tell you a story because I think we do realize okay. that there, there, there is appropriate clothing, right? There are some situations where you ha- you can't go in in your shorts and your t-shirt. Um, my wife got invited to a a, a a gala or gala. How do you say it, Matt? A, a gala. Oh, uh, I say it. Yeah, I don't get to invited well, see, to see those. I but, but they tell me it's supposed to be gala. I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Whatever yeah. Lynn says. Well, that's it. That. <laughs> she was invited to this gala with her her daughters, and and she said, "John, I have nothing to wear." And I'm thinking, "You got a whole closet full of stuff." <laughs> but of course, I knew what she meant. You you have to have something special for a gala, and she doesn't get to a lot of galas either, uh, Matt. And, and of course, we went to Van Mauer, which is kind of the high-end department store here up in Minnesota. So down there, you probably would have gone to Dillard's or whatever. But, yeah, so I understood. You, you have to have the nice clothes to wear. And I think this will, you asked to unpack it. I think it will make sense when you remember what the clothing is we're talking about, what the wedding garment is. And if you don't mind, I've got a couple of passages right out of the Bible, Matt, because that, right. that's how I'll know it's the truth. Uh, Isaiah 61 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. And in the Revelation, the same thing, we are told that, that they were given a white robe. And then it even explains to us what this white robe is. They have washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If you're planning on going to the wedding, okay, and we hope all of our listeners are, uh, that they will accept the invitation, because even right now, God is inviting them, Matt. But you better remember, the only way you get into that (laughs) festival is if you've got the garment of salvation, the robe washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Um, And if you don't mind, we're almost out of time. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a little of your time next week to 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 talk a little more about what this this white robe is, this this garment washed white in the blood of the Lamb, and why that's important. Is that okay, Matt? Yeah, sounds good, John. Uh, because we're almost out of time here, and and I know a lot of people are going to be attending the banquet. Where, where is the banquet at now, Matt? The banquet's going on right now, isn't it? Where does the banquet happen? Oh yeah, so the so the banquet hall is is the church. Yeah. yeah so when we gather for worship. There's your banquet. And, and 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 what do we get to do at that church banquet? What are we doing? Oh, so we're we're with those fellow ones that have been invited and that by God's grace have accepted it, and we feast and celebrate uh, the Lamb's yeah. High Feast. It's a beautiful thing. So we'll talk thing. about what you need to do to celebrate uh, next week on Wrestling with the Basics. 